we've been trying to tell better stories about women and clergy and the church because we really need to tell better stories. Instead of just complaining about it, what if we flood the airwaves with something different? I, I've just recorded this so many times. It, is, it has been a very challenging episode. This is part one of Neurodivergent Clergy. I was thinking about the television show Psych. Those of you who watched it, which first of all, let me just say that Sean and Gus were very much neurodivergent. I mean, at least Sean was ADHD, easily, hands down. Uh, not sure about Gus. There was definitely some neurodivergence going on there. For those of you who used to watch the show, every so often they would have an episode where they changed up the whole intro and you know it matched whatever the theme was of that particular episode. Uh, I feel like I just need kind of a special intro. Anyway, here we are. Y'all just have absolutely no idea how much editing goes into these with my neurodivergence. You know, I can't think and talk at the same time. So there's a lot of stops and starts. And in the neurodivergent world, we call them cold starts, right? You, you have to take a run at it when you're trying to come up with something to say. It takes sometimes two or three tries for all the words to get out of your mouth. And I am particularly having a difficult time these uh, these last couple of weeks, uh, really since I got back from the Women Clergy Conference, keeping all of my thoughts straight so that the words actually come out of my mouth until I can find my rhythm and my flow. Uh, so we'll see what happens with this episode. I'm recording this one last, even though it's the intro. And I still have a few more to record, but there's several have already been recorded, so they should begin releasing more quickly. And here's what I'm hoping for in this series. I'm, I'm hoping for some clarity, some compassion, and some understanding for both neurodivergence and also neuro, neurotypicals, because we need both neurodivergence, neurotypicals at the table together. Uh, strategizing in order to uh, fulfill the, the things of the kingdom. All of those voices at the table. For those of us who are neurodivergent, because of, you know, I, I know it's called a disability, which um, has its pros and cons, like not referring to it as a disability will we'll look at us and just think, well, we're not motivated or we are being lazy or we just need to try harder uh, or it's a behavioral, it's really a behavioral issue. We need to just get with the program. And so a lot of us who are neurodivergent, we really struggle in a, in a culture that's designed for neurotypicals, right? Uh, there's a, a, when there's very specific ways to do things, it makes it challenging for us. But then you miss out on some of the gifts that we bring to the table as well. So I'm hoping that through some clarity, compassion, and understanding, we'll be able to sit at the table together. And that I'll bring, introduce those who are neurodivergent to some new coping strategies, some resources uh, that you haven't, you aren't familiar with, or you know, maybe you are, but there's, there's some that are just new to you. Uh, and then also to reaffirm that God has called you and you are not alone 
sometimes I get really frustrated with my neurodivergence. And then I have to remember that God called me and he's not surprised. He knows exactly how I'm wired. He created me. The psalmist says he created me, knit me together in my mother's womb. Called you. He gifted you. Uh, he's equipped you and he's very aware and he is able to both take your divergence and use it for his good and holy purposes. His good and holy purposes. What is neurodivergence? A person whose brain functioning diverges from what is considered normal. Uh, and so in this episode, I want to talk just briefly about ASD, which is Autistic uh, Spectrum Disorder, ADHD and Sensory Processing Disorder, which is SPD. We'll talk about each of these in more detail in some of the other episodes. Neurodivergence is an umbrella. and There's a lot of things that fall under that, uh, including dyslexia, uh, OCD, Tourette's, really depending on the cl- clinician that you're talking to. Some will include certain uh, diagnoses under the ND umbrella, and then others will move those things over into the mental health realm. It really just depends on which clinician you're talking to. And then also, disorder looks different in each person. That's why it's called a spectrum. And so it will look differently in one person than in the next. Uh, and that's because um, symptoms not only vary from person to person, but they also vary in degrees in that person from day to day. And, and some of this is typical, whether whether you're neurodivergent or neurotypical, it doesn't matter. Uh, when we have days where we're, we're tired, we're run down, we're not feeling well physically, um, mentally, you know, whatever we say, we're off our game. It's going to be, it's going to be more noticeable for, for us. Um, but the same is true for any human out there, no matter no matter their neurological makeup, you're always going to have days that are better than others. It's just that for us, we're noticeable when we are run down, uh, need some more water or some co- more coffee or whatever it is. Uh, it's going to be much more noticeable. Some of us get uh, have a harder time getting started in the morning, and then some of us uh, we get as we get tired throughout the day, it gets harder to focus. And to it gets harder to self-regulate. So, uh, autistic spectrum disorder is a neurodevelopmental developmental disorder where the person experiences communication difficulties, difficulty with social interactions, sensory processing issues, a tendency to repeat behaviors, a narrowing or limiting of activities and interests. It's not behavioral. It is a spectrum, which refers to the level and quantity of challenges. And so for some people, it's not a matter of that they can't do it. It's a matter of, and the same it would be true for any of the ND disorders. It's not that you can't, it's that you're, this is your challenge. This is your struggle. Uh, for some of us, it's more challenging than others, and we need uh, a greater amount of resources uh, and for some, it's less challenging. And then some, for some, it varies from day to day. You do not grow out of any ND disorders. In some ways, it gets easier as you become an adult for a couple of reasons. One, by the time you turn 25, the frontal lobe is fully developed, which plays a big role in many of the ND um, disorders. Uh, and because of that, you'll see a stabilizing when people get to adulthood, just developmental maturity, which is the case for all humans. We learned new coping strategies and we start to realize 
that there are certain behaviors that are unacceptable in our culture or in society when we're out in public. And so what we do is we will mask or camouflage those things, we'll stifle some of those behaviors. Um, it's not that they went away. It's just that then when we get home or we get into a place where we can be ourselves, then all of those things will show. Uh, and so a lot of ND people will fly pretty much under the radar at work, at school, when they're in public, but then when they get home is when it really manifests itself. Just Let's just talk about ASD for a second, because most people think it looks like Rain Man or the Good Doctor, which it can, and it does, but it also looks like Dr. Greg Boyd, uh, the author of Letters from a Skeptic, who pastors a very large church. Uh, it looks like Science Mike. Those of you who have uh, listened to The Liturgist should be familiar with him or his podcast, Science Mike. It looks like Einstein, Tim Burton, Emily Dickinson, Elon Musk. So we have to be careful to take this idea of autism and then just funnel it, it into one idea. ADHD is an executive function disorder. It is neurological. It is not behavioral. It impacts our focus most People think that people, well, it's called attention deficit, but it's really not a deficit. There's no deficit involved. It's the ability to regulate. Um, a, a lot of ADHD people will come across as being very intuitive and spiritual. And part of it has to do with that. It's, it's not that they don't focus. It's that we don't know where to put our focus. And so we focus on everything at once or what happens is, is we get hyper-focused and we focus on one thing and we're not able to see anything else around us. It can be an advantage, right? If we really need to get something done, especially if we're well-rested and we're on top of our game, we can we can channel coping strategies and techniques that we can do to channel that and to really get it done. Uh, and, you know, we talk about getting, maybe getting in the zone, right? So I can sit down and if I can, if I can really get myself in the zone and I can work for eight hours, I can I can pump out just multiple sermons uh, very easily. Uh, but then there's other times where it just takes me so much energy to actually sit down and to focus and to not be distracted by all of the other things that are vying for my attention. It does so it impacts the focus, especially difficulty making decisions and following directions. And part of that has to do with trying to focus on all of the directions at once. So it's an executive function disorder, which means the part of your brain that executes tasks has been hindered. With autism and ADHD, sensory processing disorder is a symptom. Some clinicians will say it's sensory processing disorder is its own thing, but almost always it is paired with something else. Um, And then with ADHD, people with ADHD are not motivated by normal things that typicals are motivated. So um, it has to be uh, in, interest-based. Most of us are not uh, motivated by rewards and punishments. It's interest-based. It's things that are not uh, are novel, that bring novelty, or they're things that bring a challenge. And so we're uh, challenged to level up. And so that will be really the things that will interest us. And then we do get into hyper fixations. Some of my current hyper fixations right now are neurodivergent <laughs> disorders, uh, the Enneagram, and whole food, plant-based, or veganism. So what does ADHD look like? 
I know we think of the eight-year-old boy that can't sit in his chair. Uh, it also looks like Simone Beals, Howie Mandel, Emma Watson, and some people say also Agatha Christie. She was diagnosed with dysgraphia, which is also uh, an ND disorder. Probably she, she would have been diagnosed as well with ADHD. We're starting here. We're starting with these three. And why don't we talk about it? Why should we talk about it? Those are some of the questions or some of the questions that some ND people have asked me as I've been preparing this series. We should talk about it because it has been oversimplified in the public sector. It's also one of the reasons why we don't talk about it because it's been so oversimplified. If you tell somebody that you have ADHD, it means nothing to them especially for neurotypicals who don't understand exactly what that means. It's just not a big deal. You just buckle down and try harder and your brain will work the way it's supposed to, right? So we don't talk about it because there is still a stigma attached to a lot of these, why we should also talk about it, right? So we don't talk about it because there's a stigma and we should talk about it to help us get over the stigma. There's this fear that People will assume that we are dumb, lazy, that it's a behavioral issue, that we're just not trying hard enough, or like especially with women, a lot of times we get pegged as having a character issue. And a lot of women, especially those of us who have a higher IQ or we are um, above average intelligence, so we're able to mask a lot of things and we get labeled as having a character issue deficiency. Um, So let me give you an example. I'm reading a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which is really great. In this one incident, he describes this woman, and as he's describing her and talking about her messy car, her struggling to be on time, and she's late all the time, and um, you know he's talking about her character issue, and the more I talked about her, the more I realized that this woman is ADHD off the charts, probably undiagnosed, and probably not medicated and has no coping strategies whatsoever. So instead of us you know, telling her she just needs to try harder, what if somebody came alongside of her? But I tell that story because this is the stigma that's out there. Uh, one of the things that happens both with uh, ADHD people and also autistic people uh, and some of the other disorders as well is what's called time blindness. We don't really have a sense of how long something is going to take and, and we oftentimes will become so paranoid that we're going to be late that actually ADHD people will tend to fall to one of two categories. So that they're either always running late or they are super early to everything because they're afraid they're going to be late. So oftentimes, if I know it's something that's really important, I will show up 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour early And then I am having to sit in the parking lot and pretend, you know, like I wasn't there that early because that also looks weird that you showed up so early. And if you know that you have something coming up, we're so anxious about being late um, that we end up not being able to do anything leading up to it. So if I have a, a 1030 appointment, nothing is getting done before that 1030 appointment because all I'm thinking about is don't be late, don't be late, don't be late. We don't talk about it because for those of us who maybe have above average intelligence and we're able to mask uh, maybe a little bit better than others. Um, And then, of course, if you're female, we typically are diagnosed later in life or we're not diagnosed at all. 
So I suspect that as we go through some of these, if you've ever said to yourself, gee, I wonder if this is a real thing or if I'm just not trying hard enough, there's a good chance that there is a a neurodivergence going on in your life. And I want to highly, highly recommend you get tested. So I'm going to put some links in the show notes today, but then also other episodes that you can follow up on and talk to someone about. Here are some stats, and then I'm going to talk about what this looks like, what neurodivergence looks like for me. 30% of the population is thought to have some ND diagnosis. 73% of those people will be bullied in middle school and high school and adulthood, actually, due to their ND. 71% of those will also struggle with mental health in addition to their ND diagnosis. Right, so here's what it looks like for me. I'm officially diagnosed with ADHD combination type. ADHD actually has three different types. Those who are primarily hyperactive, those who primarily present as inattentive, and then combination type, which I found was really interesting because nobody in my life has ever told me to slow down. Everybody has told me to hurry up. Could you please hurry up? Why are you taking so long? Focus, Joanne. Uh, I was the kid that took three, took an hour to walk home from school and it was three blocks away. A sensory processing disorder and then autistic tendencies. And I have a very hard time saying that out loud to people because of the stigma. And uh, it's going to be out there now unless I decide to edit that out. I was slower as a kid. I was slower to roll over. I was slower to make friends. I didn't have a lot of friends, but everybody knew me. It's still kind of the same. I still don't have a lot of friends, but everybody knows me. That was the case before social media. It's, I don't, I don't understand it. It's a weird phenomenon. I have always been content to sit back and observe before I want to just jump in and participate. I, f- I feel like I am participating when I'm observing a lot of times. I always had hyperfixations and narrow interests, listening to the same songs over and over again. Chris, that was when we had LPs. Now, we still have LPs. It's called vinyl now, right? Is that what we're calling it now? Is that what we're doing? We're calling it vinyl now instead of LPs. Uh, but so you could just play the same song over and over again. Now we have Spotify and I can just take one song and put it on repeat over and over and listen to the same song for like two hours. It's awesome. Uh, I always have a running mo- monologue in my head. Sometimes it's a dialogue. I'm not saying I hear voices. I'm just saying that at any given time, there's more than one topic happening. I can have 10 new ideas before the coffee finishes brewing in the morning. I have a very difficult time knowing when to speak up when we're in groups. Uh, And so I tend to either speak up too late or speak up too early. Unless I'm leading a particular group, then it's a lot easier. Both ADHD people and autistic people uh, do better actually in leadership roles because it's easier to know the expectations. And so um, we can prepare and plan ahead of time. Uh, And then of course, the nefarious intrusive thoughts. I follow a couple of influencers on Instagram that specifically talk about ADHD. And I did not know that you neurotypicals don't have this. I mean, you have a little bit, but you don't have it to to the degree that we have it. Intrusive thoughts. We do need official diagnosis. We should not officially self-diagnose uh, or or diagnose others. No, we all do. We're all like, that person is totally neurodivergent. I was 19 years old when I saw a commercial for ADHD and it was a little girl sitting at a desk and she was daydreaming, staring out the window in her own world. 
which my first thought was, is what's wrong with that? That sounds like a lot of fun because I do it every day. <laughs> it is a lot of fun. And then they're like, no, that's ADHD. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's me. Why didn't anybody ever tell me? But then I just went on with my life because I was 19 and I had graduated. And the whole context of the commercial was, this is something you only deal with in school. Well, I'd already graduated. What difference does it make? Later on, in as I started to get into ministry, uh, finishing up my undergrad, and we were doing the Meyer Briggs stuff and learned that I was an introvert. Uh, I am an INFP, was introduced to Susan Cain's book, Quiet, and I'm like, oh, I get it. Okay. And as I started to understand more about what it meant to be an introvert, it actually solved a lot of my problems because many introverts are also neurodivergent. Not all. It doesn't automatically mean if you're an introvert, you are neurodivergent. It just, it can't, there's just a lot of us out there. And so uh, a lot of the suggestions that were in her book, but then in other books I was reading about introversion, which of course also became a hyper, hyper fixation for me, the, the suggestions that they had for those things really helped when I implemented them in my life. I'm like, yay, I solved my problem. Uh, and so what happens for a lot of, especially ADHD people, once you figure out how to work in your current you know, role or responsibilities, you start to find your groove and your flow. And so things get a little bit easier for you because you have a rhythm and you have a pattern and you know what to expect. What happens is every time you change roles, especially as you gain more and more leadership, then you have to do that all over again. And so it can feel like, oh man, my ADHD went away and then it came back. It didn't. It just, now you have a whole new set of challenges and you have to rearrange all of your coping strategies and come up with a, a new system and, and a new pattern that helps you to flow. And then what has happened for the last two years is that has changed about every, uh, it feels like about every three hours, right? So for those of us who are ND, the last two years has just dialed everything up because we never have an opportunity to find our new rhythm before it has changed again. And so we just feel like we're failing over and over and over, and we never find a new groove. I have said to myself many times, if this is the direction that the church, which is my vocation, right, is going, maybe I need to find another vocation or another way to express my call because I'm not catching my groove. I'm not finding uh, my groove. So even, but even before the, uh, the pandemic, um, I had a couple of, a couple of shifts. So, well, I guess it'd be eight years ago now, right? I was under the board of ministry for my district, which is, for those of you who are non, not part of my denomination, that's our, our credentialing system. Uh, and then part of MAC, which is the ministry assessment center weekend, the introduction to ordination process for new candidates, both of those two things involve a couple of different seasons throughout the year where you are in meetings, like meeting after meeting after meeting. Thing to be an introvert and you just, and after a while you start to get run down by being with all these people. It's a whole nother level when you are spending 12 hours, you're using energy, not just to be with people, but you're using energy to mask and camouflage your neurodivergence. So what I started to notice, especially for our Mac weekend, we 
it's all day Friday, all day Saturday, most of the day Sunday. And I get to about Saturday night. We finished the last session and go back to my room and I'd have a, just have a meltdown. The first few times it happened to me, I, I thought it was anxiety. I thought I was having an anxiety attack, but I also have anxiety, bless God. And so, uh, but I'm like, this is not, it, it was different. It was not the same thing. Working with a counselor over these last few years, understanding what just basically my brain just shut down. It had nothing left to give. And so I just, it just turned itself off. Uh, so kind of like, you know, on your computer, on your laptop, your your laptop gets down to like 18% and it starts flashing at you like, hey, you should plug this in. And then if you just ignore that, eventually it just shuts down whether you want it to keep going or not. So kind of the same thing, uh, which happens a lot for neurodivergence, but especially for those of us who struggle with sensory processing. It's not just you're overtaxing your brain, but... When you're str- when you're struggling to read when you're already struggling to read the room and then you have to dial it up and now and now the longer you go the harder it gets to read the room because you're starting to get tight more tired and more tired and then my ability to process thoughts and in, into words like into actual words the words in my head do, just don't want to come out typicals experience the same thing you just don't experience it to the same level and the same degree unless you've had a season of life where you have pushed yourself to the point of exhaustion, you know, a little bit of understanding, a little bit of compassion, a little bit of grace. As if we talk about it, we have the conversation, you know, neurotypicals actually benefit from some of the things that we need as well. And so we can all be better. One of the things that we implemented in the board of ministry gave extra time for each interview this year. And then we gave extra space in between each interview and it was the first year in all these years that I've been on the board of ministry that I didn't walk away just wanting to stab pencils in my eyeballs by the end of the day. I mean, I was was I still tired? Absolutely. But I didn't feel like I was going to have a mental breakdown at the end of the day because there was there was space. There was breathing room in between um, the interviews. Even the neurotypicals who are part of our board were like, this is so much more helpful. I feel like I had time to actually think about what we were saying before we went into the next meeting. Yes, that's what we've been trying to tell you, us neurodivergence. So these are some of the ways that it looks like for me. It's just some of those kind of things that happen with us that I feel like if we talked about our divergences a little bit more, that it would clear up some of the struggles that we have. I've been diagnosed, I've been working with a counselor, we've been doing a lot of occupational therapy. And so we we deal with some of these things head on. With with my you know, we sat down and we put together a strategy and a plan for this conference that I just went to in Texas. It's gonna be four days, it's gonna be a lot of people. We were flying there, but we were able to put together a plan so that I could get through this conference without feeling completely depleted and like I had to sleep for an entire week when I got home. And so these are some of the advantages of getting diagnosed and then and then finding resources. So it's not always about medication. Cognitive behavioral therapy, occupational therapy are very helpful in coping strategies in, in order for us to be uh, better leaders, to be better clergy. There are some things that we're always going to struggle with. Hospital visits are always going to be a struggle for me. Do I do them? Yes. Well, I don't do them right now because of the pandemic, <laughs> but they're always going to be a struggle for me. I do them, but I can't, I could never do like 
hospital chaplain? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, Bless your heart, all of you hospital chaplain people. I love you, and I'm so glad that God called you to that ministry and not me. Uh, But I want to leave you with three tips. One resource that I used for this series called The Neurodivergent Mind Thriving in a World Not Designed for You. The book itself is written specifically to women, for women. However, if you are a man and you're listening to this and you're neurodivergent, you will get so much out of it. Also, if you're neurotypical and you have neurodivergence on your ministry team, I highly recommend that you read it. It will it will help you a lot. Such a, a better glimpse of the inner world and what's happening for us. Please get tested. Please get tested. Please get tested. Uh, I'm going to put two online tests. Now you can't self-diagnose. I already talked about that. But what you can do is fill out these tests, print them off, and take your results to, uh, I would say, my recommendation would be to find somebody who specializes in neurodivergent disorders. So especially if the two I'm going to put in there are one's for autism and the other is for ADHD. I want to encourage you to please, please follow up. Side note on the one for autism. Neurotypicals will, you'll have a score higher than zero because a lot of these behaviors are normal behaviors for everybody. It has to do with the degree and how much it hinders your life. Most neurotypicals will not score over 80. Uh, I think I think it says on there that a neurodivergent man will typically score 140 or higher and then women 160 or higher. I won't tell you what I scored. So anyway, and then the last one is find a counselor that specializes in these things and maybe begin making a list of some of the things that things that we do. We forget that neurotypicals don't think that way. If you're a neurotypical, sometimes some of the things that are frustrating you about the neurodivergent in your life, all you have to do is say, hey, I noticed this. Solve a lot of problems. That's my story, my neurodivergent story. Uh, I want to hear yours. So please feel free. Message me and share it with me as well. 